the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We thought it was Ferb. 60 years ago today, I was sitting in Brother Lawrence's Spanish class. I was in the 10th grade. Uh, The principal, Brother Alfred, came on the PA system and he said, I have some very bad news for you. Our president has been shot. And we all looked at each other and said, Ferb? We thought it was Ferb Gannon, the student council president. Of course, it wasn't. It was John F. Kennedy. Keep in mind that this was at a Catholic high school. JFK was a big, big deal among Catholics since he was the first Catholic president. So Brother Alfred was probably even more shaken up than most Americans over this whole thing. And they sent us home from school early. And it was the beginning of a a very strange weekend, as anybody who was alive at that time uh, will tell you. Now, I had a paper out. I delivered the Pittsburgh Press every afternoon. A kid who lives down, who lived down the street uh, from me named Lou, I won't give you his last name. I think he'd be, end up becoming a state cop. But anyway, he lived down the street. His name was Lou. Uh, he was also a paper boy, delivered the press. And he was known among all of us paper boys for being just a little bit too conscientious. You know, he made us look bad by you know, always delivering the, the papers within seconds after they were thrown off the trucks, which prevented us from being able to lie and tell our customers that the papers were late. So I bumped into him on the way out of the classroom door, right after Brother Alfred had made the announcement. And I'll never forget him looking over his shoulder and saying to me with a wide-eyed look, Boy, are papers going to be late today. That was Lou. Not kidding. Papers were late, uh, and I do remember when they threw the bundles off the truck, I was hurrying to open them up so I could see the headline. Then I loaded up my sack and I delivered the news. Of course, uh, back then, every one of my customers was waiting to see what the papers had to say about it. Uh, College football games were canceled the following day, which was a Saturday. But the NFL played that Sunday. Steelers played the Bears at home and tied 17-17. I remember my dad going to the game. He had season tickets. Instant replay was brand new at the time. And that's why millions of people who missed Lee Harvey Oswald being murdered live on television were able to watch it as if it were live all day long. I was watching a different network. I forget which network it was that that caught it live. But I was watching another network with my parents. And then just a few seconds later, uh, the video was shown to everybody. Uh, My mother, an Irish Catholic who was exactly the same age as JFK, and her five sisters of course, were devastated by this. It was a strange weekend. And then the funeral on Monday, an amazing time. And by the way, Ferb is still alive and well right now. When we come back, I'm going to replay a segment that I did with Dr. Cyril Wecht a couple of months ago. And you can hear him say that it's absurd to suggest that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only gunman, which he's been saying since he studied the JFK autopsy materials over 50 years ago. And in our second half hour, some examples of unhinged people in the liberal media 
and their fear of Donald Trump. Stick around. Well, if you were alive and old enough at the time to remember, you know exactly where you were 60 years ago today. JFK had been assassinated. Here we are 60 years later, and very few people believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only shooter. One who doesn't is Dr. Cyril Wecht, who's in his 90s now and still working as a forensic pathologist here in Pittsburgh. I spoke with him about it a couple of months ago. Well, it has been 22 years since the towers in New York City came down. And it's something no American should ever forget. And after 22 years, there are still plenty of conspiracy theories out there about who planned it. They'll always be around, I guess. Uh, and in two months, it'll be 60 years since John F. Kennedy was assassinated. There's still plenty of uns- unanswered questions about that. Over the weekend, a story broke about new information from a 90-year-old Secret Service agent who was 20 feet away from JFK when he was killed. And uh, when I saw the story... The first person I thought of was Cyril Wecht, Dr. Cyril Wecht. He joins us now. Cyril, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be with you. So <laughs> I think everybody in Pittsburgh knows that you've been speaking about out about this for over 50 years. Now, this guy is uh, Paul Landis, Secret Service agent who was there that day, now says he found a bullet. I, I guess it was on the top of the back seat where JFK has been sitting. And then he describes what he did with that bullet, and we'll get to that in a minute. But do you believe him, and why would that be important that he found that bullet there? I do believe him. It is extremely important because it shoots down the single bullet theory uh, unquestionably uh, and unhesitatingly. Um, I do believe him. It's been more than 50 years since I first stated that that bullet, Commissioner Exhibit 399, so-called stretcher bullet, the hero of the uh, single bullet theory, um, was um, a um, a placed bullet that um, someone, although I did not know who, and and although the the, uh, etiology uh, is somewhat uh, simple and innocent, but what happened thereafter is not. So, yes, uh, I do believe and I do believe that it uh, should be given full weight. It's a shame. And uh, I'm just amazed that the news media are not jumping over this uh, more than than I have encountered thus far. Yeah, it should be. Uh, you would think it would be a big deal. So um, uh, so I'm going to get back to what you just said there. This, the, You talked about what happened to the bullet and where it came from. Uh, this um, Paul Landis, he says he, he put the bullet in his pocket because when he saw it, he thought, i got to grab that. They're going to want to see this bullet, and I don't want some souvenir hunter to, to come and take it, or if it stays here on the seat, somebody will remove it. So he says that he, he took it to the hospital, and he placed it on a stretcher uh, that he said was JFK's stretcher. And then it was later believed, or at least claimed, to have come, uh, the, the, the bullet, when it was presented, was said to have been found on John Conley's stretcher. So why is that important? Which stretcher he found it on? Well, obviously, the single bullet theory has the bullet being found on or beneath John Conley's stretcher. That's where they say it wound up after going through Kennedy's uh, back, neck, um, and then Conley's uh, chest in and out and then Conley's left wrist in and out into his left thigh. 
So it's very important because that is the essence of the single border theory. The story, I'll read it to you. Uh, one key point to raise here concerns a fundamental underpinning of the Warren Commission report, the supposition that the retrieved intact bullet, and intact is important here too, uh, I'm, I'm going to get to that I think with you, Doctor, uh, it, that the in, retrieved intact bullet had been discovered on Governor Connolly's, uh, Connolly's stretcher, not on Kennedy's. It was from this assumption in part that the commission reached its pivotal conclusion. The available evidence indicated that, quote, the bullet found on the governor's stretcher, the single bullet, would have caused all his wounds. Over time, critics have referred to it as the pristine or magic bullet. Moreover, if that single bullet did not cause the damage, then ballistics tests performed at the time suggest it would have been almost impossible for Oswald to have fired all three shots within the tight multi-second time frame derived from the other main piece of evidence of the assassination, the Zapruder film. So that's that's the summation of what they taught, you know, the, the point about the stretcher that was in the story. That is correct. Uh, the bullet that is the hero of the single bullet theory emerged and near pristine, only slight indentation at the base. That was the impact of the firing mechanism. The uh, bullet um, is supposed to have um, destroyed four inches of Governor Connolly's right fifth rib, and then to have produced a comminuted as a fragmented fracture of the radius in his right forearm, a dense heavy bone in a six-foot-four guy um, like Connolly. There's nowhere in the world that could have happened. And then, so that's his condition. And the weight was 158.6 grains as found. The bullet um, from the manufacturer weighs 161 grains, so a loss of 2.4 grains or 1.5%, despite having enough pieces of itself visible on x-rays between Kennedy and Connolly in three or four possibly uh, locations. And then the uh, trajectory is totally absurd. The bullet uh, moves horizontally and vertically uh, like a comic book character's book would move. So that's the single bullet theory. You got to buy the uh, condition, uh, the weight, and the trajectory. And uh, so this would explain uh, all of that. It doesn't tell us um, how and why it came to be used, but I, I think it came to be used because that's when they settled on the single bullet theory. And lo and behold, they needed the bullet. So that's how that bullet came to be used for that nefarious purpose. So you say, lo and behold, they found that bullet on the stretcher, and so they assumed that it had come off of Connolly's body and didn't know or didn't want to admit that the Secret Service, someone had dropped it there. So um, what if the bullet was on the back seat behind Kennedy's head uh, and it was a pristine bullet, where did it come from? Well, uh, it's, it found somewhere in the back. Um, of the limousine, um, I think it went into his back and came out of his neck and struck the back seat and fell there, and that's uh, how and when Landis found it. Yeah, but he, he says he found it, I think, at like the top of the back seat, uh, where his, like almost where a headrest would be. Yeah, well, that's a possibility that the bullet did not traverse the neck, but I don't think so. 
uh, nothing to have impeded it. Um, um, I, I I can't tell you exactly mm-hmm. why, as it was in the back of the back seat, as opposed to uh, somewhere in the back seat area. We're, we're talking to Dr. Cyril Wecht, who is uh, one of the foremost uh, experts on the Kennedy assassination. Um, so, um, Dr. Wecht, what does what does all this information that we've just spoken about here in the last few minutes, what does that uh, say about the single gunman theory? Well, if you don't have the single bullet theory, you don't have a single gunman. Mm-hmm. And that makes the Warren Commission a, a big joke, which I've said it was from the beginning. Um, the single bullet theory is the sine qua non uh, of the uh, Warren Commission's conclusion about the single um, bullet theory. That's, that's what you need to hold Oswald in. If you don't hold him in on the single bullet theory, then you've got two shooters. When you've got two shooters, that makes it a conspiracy of an issue. And uh, the case should, probably said, should be reopened and dealt with honestly. Where do you think the other shooter would have, based on you know just the stuff that you found from your um, your investigating and your your autopsy that you did on the uh, your, your investigation of the autopsy material, where do you think the second bullet or the second shooter was shooting from? The second shooter was shooting from behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll, which would have placed him slightly to the right and slightly in front of the presidential limousine as it made the curve and was going down Elm Street from Houston. Okay. Now, here's the thing. You you said that this should be, this has, I mean, you, you've been saying for, as you said, 50 years that the, this, the theory about the single bullet was ridiculous anyway. But yeah. is, with what this guy is coming forward with, um, how can they deny it now? Are they going to just say this guy, are they going to say this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, he's making it all up? How do they maintain this this um, this uh, narrative if if they accept the fact that this Paul Landis is telling the truth? They just uh, negate it and they excuse and attack him personally um, or his memory or what have you. That's what they'll do. And it will be ignored. You'll see. It will not be taken up officially, which is incredible. Incredible. If so it were a routine, go ahead, routine, a routine murder case um, in any jurisdiction, it would be have it would have to be dealt with in an objective fashion, and so would it be. Now, um, you inspected the autopsy material, and I believe you've said that JFK's brain was missing. Was it ever located? No, Kennedy's brain has never been located. Its absence has never been accounted for. Yeah, I'm the one that pointed it out when I went down there in August of 72. And I pointed out the president's brain was missing. It's missing because proper dissection of the brain would have revealed the two hemorrhagic tracts showing the course of two bullets into the brain, not just one. And that's why they had to eliminate it. And the pathologist who did the autopsy uh, went back two weeks later after it was being fixed in formalin, which was a proper thing to do, but uh, they did not um, serially dissect it and trace out the bullet wounds. 
This is amazing. An irreputable forensic pathologist who um, examined this stuff before I did never, never pointed this out, including a top-notch forensic neuropathologist. They were just bought out, caved in for whatever reason. Is it? I know there's lots of theories out there, and I don't know what your specific theories are about what it is they're hiding, but um, would it have to be something pretty bad in order for, as you just said, to get to to get to go this far with these weak theories still not only existing but being generally accepted by most people? Yes, um, it, it it has to go this far. Because they've bought into it now for some uh, 60 years. It has to go this far because they soon learned um, it was not the enemy, it was us. That we Americans are responsible. And that meant that it was CIA top uh, military people. They alone could have concocted and planned and executed and covered up this kind of uh, scenario. They alone. And so now... Uh, the deeply bought into it from the New York Times on down through the government. Um, and uh, it's impossible. You see, the New York Times, for example, uh, published this story in print and not in print today. But uh, um, you have to uh, subscribe to it. Uh, the land of story, you mean? Yeah, the land of yeah. story. They, they uh, instead of publishing it as a front page story uh, in print uh, the biggest day they held it off and published it uh, electronically yeah. so they're, they're they're treating this the um, discovery of or the um, explanation of this bullet as a minor detail well no they can't treat it as a minor detail they're going to treat it and and, and uh, try to explain it uh, it's going to you know, negative. Yeah. They're going to uh, simply say that he's wrong for whatever reason. His memory, his acuity, um, whatever. I, I haven't yeah. seen the rebuttals, but that's what they're going to do. But where, where is where is that bullet today, Dr. Weck, the, the, the pristine bullet? Does it still exist somewhere? Yeah, it's in the National Archives. And... And where and what is the official explanation of where that bullet came from? Is it the official explanation that it was on? It came from John Conley's stretcher. Is that is that what the official explanation of it is? Yes, from Conley's stretcher, from uh, on the stretcher or beneath the stretcher, having came come out of the left thigh wound, uh, even though he had been manipulated for surgery a couple of times, moved around, and so on. The bullet chose not to emerge until uh, afterwards when uh, he was placed on the um, stretcher postoperatively, and that's when they found the bullet. Yeah, it's, it's so so absurd as to, uh, you know, if it weren't so serious, it would truly be a laughing matter. Has anybody other than me called you yet? I would imagine you should be getting some phone calls, shouldn't you? No, I have not. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm truly amazed that I have received no other calls from local or national news media. I'm absolutely amazed. And that and the land of story seems to be getting a, 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 a pretty good bit of play, but not, as in your uh, opinion, nearly enough. 
No, no way, of course. Not nearly enough because it it shows the, the single board theory, single gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald uh, as a single gunman to be uh, absolutely erroneous. So the headline should be, uh, this story should be, single gunman theory in JFK assassination um, uh, debunked. Refuted. Debunked, refuted, absolutely. Hey, Dr. Wecht, uh, I, I I got a feeling I'm going to be talking to you again. We have the anniversary coming up in November, but as yeah. more more details come out here, I hope I hope that people are smart enough to call you some of the national media, and I hope they pay attention to this. But I, as, right, well, I, you were the first person I thought of when I saw the story. I'm really glad you came on the show. Well, thank you, and thank you for calling me, and I look forward to chatting with you again anytime you're ready, okay? All right. I appreciate it, Dr. Cyril Wecht. We'll be right back. Now, we don't deal in breaking news all that often around here. That's not it's kind of not like what we do. But uh, there is a story that is breaking uh, around the country, around North America, actually, right now. There was an explosion on the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, That's the bridge between uh, Niagara Falls, New York and Niagara Falls, Ontario. And um, there's a lot of details that have not been cleared up yet. But two people are dead and um, I've gone across that bridge uh, many times. Not like I've not as much as I've gone across the Peace Bridge, but um, it's it's always been kind of scary to me about what terrorists could do if they wanted to on either one of those bridges. Joe Warmington uh, is a reporter and a columnist for the uh, Toronto Sun. He's a frequent guest on the show. I thought it would be a good idea to call him to find out what he knows, and he's on the line right now. Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, it's good to be with you. It's a you know very very traumatic kind of day here today as people are wondering what is going on. Actually, I'm on route uh, on the QEW, just heading there as we speak. Um, so we'll we'll find out more. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's certainly got everybody's attention. Yeah. Now, what I'm I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I, I, I'm reading multiple stories here, uh, and it says first a Fox reported that there were explosives it was an explosive and now other outlets are saying that there were no explosives found but um i i was i was actually having trouble uh, figuring out whether it was they're saying it was on the american side but i think what that means is that it was it wasn't on it wasn't across the bridge on the american side it was just just on the american side just before you get to the customs booth i guess that's where it was right yeah, I mean, there's so many different versions of events, but, you know, the one thing that Fox came out and called it a terror event from, from their sources, and everybody seems to be dialing that da- back now. In fact, the governor of New York, uh, Ockel, has indicated that she is in charge of this investigation and it's no longer a federal situation. So that indicates to me that it isn't a terror event and that, you know, there's some other explanation for it. Uh, you know, we can speculate on what that might be. But again, these are the kinds of things we're hearing now. Uh, but nobody from the government, either Canadian or American governments or New York or Ontario, have uh, really cleared it up, as you said, John. And, and so, you know, I, I think momentarily we'll, we'll hear that uh, exactly what happened. I mean, obviously something big happened there. Mm-hmm. There'll be a lot of conspiracy theory people that'll pop out unless if they don't explain it. Yep. This was a suicide, say, um, 
and they said, well, it was a suicide and you don't get to know who it is and, and all these kinds of things, then that's going to be a whole other story. But, uh, you know, one trucker uh, called into uh, a local station in Buffalo that I was listening to and said that, you know, it could be a runaway car lost its brakes, that kind of thing. Sounds far-fetched, though, because that bridge is not one that you wind up on anyway. It's a very, very small bridge. There's been terror, planned terror events before on that bridge. Uh, in fact, there's people in prison in Canada for, for one that they had planned. And so, you know, um, yeah, it's it's really a head-scratcher. And, you know, I wish I had more for you, John, but, you know, that's where we're at. We're trying to dig in to see exactly what the heck happened here. Yeah, well, um, it, at first, when they first uh, came out, when the, when the story first came out, the story... Uh, again, as I said, was from Fox uh, was already saying that people were saying it was a terrorist attack. They were quoting people. Fox wasn't making that up. So there were people out there saying that they believed it was a terrorist attack. Yeah, that's what I said from sources, from their sources. And I think it certainly looked like that. And you can see that people took that kind of, uh, you know, initiative to make sure that you don't take any chances. I mean, the Buffalo Airport, international flights have been suspended. All the bridges, the four bridges around you know, the Western New York and, and Ontario, Lewiston, Rainbow, and uh, Peace Bridge. Is there one other one? Yeah, there's one and, other one. I, I, think, I don't know. There's four of them. I don't uh, know the names of the other two. Yeah, and uh, I think Lewiston, Peace Bridge, and the, uh, I guess there's the, obviously, the Rainbow Bridge, and I think there's one other one. Yeah, anyway, they've all been closed. And, and so, you know, you can't take any chances. And so I think that there's probably some confusion in today's world, everybody wants this news quickly. And I, and I don't rule anything out anyway until I hear it from the authorities. They need to come out quickly and let us know that uh, because, you know, in light of what's going on in the world mm -hmm. and in light of, you know, the kind of vitriol that is happening in Toronto particularly, I don't know what it's like in Pittsburgh or in Buffalo, but in Toronto it's very heated, very, very big, um, you know, Muslim community in Toronto and a, and a large Jewish community in Toronto. And so you can imagine the tensions. And of course, there's a, a lot of people that are Muslim that have nothing to do with the Palestinian conflict. But there is a large uh, contingent that are out protesting every day, very loud way, beating a loud drum. And so, you know, every, obviously everyone's nerves are really you know, tender here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we heard this. Uh, and, and of course, the other thing is where the heck does this car come from? If it came from Ontario, across the uh, Rainbow Bridge, which I've walked across with my son, and you know, you could just walk right across to the American Falls. Um, a lot of a lot of people do that. Um, but uh, anyway, so, so that's yeah, well, that I did see that the some well, one report said they were Ontario plates, um, so they apparently were returning from Ontario because they were heading to Ontario from uh, the New York side. Here's the thing, and we're talking to Joe Warmington, who uh, is a reporter and a columnist for the Toronto Sun, about this explosion up there. Um, here's, you and I know, I, I know because I go across the Peace Bridge all the time to our place that I have up there, but if there was a, if there was a time when I wanted to create total mayhem on the, I don't know about the Rainbow Bridge as much, because I don't have as much experience with that, but if I wanted to get the Peace Bridge shut down, I can't think of a better time to do it on the Wednesday before the American Thanksgiving. 
So I, I can't even imagine thing. what a nightmare it no. is. It's a nightmare, and, you know, you're right. Like, and I haven't seen that mentioned anywhere, form. Joe. I haven't seen that mentioned anywhere about what a big day this is on, on I'm sure, on all the bridges, but, uh, on you know, the, the traffic on the bridges going back and forth. It's it's the biggest day of the of the year. Yep. I mean, uh, American Thanksgiving is the, the the day that families get together more than Christmas. So, and then you got Black Friday, and of course the the Canadian uh, people that, that go across uh, for the weekend and, and all of that. Uh, as we speak right now, I'm on the QEW. I mean, it's rush hour time, but it's jammed. I mean, people are heading there. Most of my friends are going to the, the U.S. either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, for different, uh, you know, American Thanksgiving events. So, yeah. you, know, you know, you're right. And, and, and so that's why I, I want to make sure that we cross all the I's and dot all the T's or whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> you know, like, let, let's not uh, let, let's not just jump to too many conclusions because this is just too precious to, to dismiss as some sort of an accident. And my years of covering things here at this border, which is extensive, I've never heard of this before. Yeah, and and again, I it's it just seems kind of strange to me that if something like this was going to happen, that it would happen on a day like today, um, which is a gigantic uh, traffic day on all the bridges. Um, if it was just a random accident and somebody you know made a mistake and stepped on the gas pedal and plowed into a building, it's just kind of strange to me that it happened today. You know what? It, it's a tight space. I mean, the Peace Bridge, as you know, going to your, you know, your residence in, in that, that area. I'm just yep. driving right right by that now. Uh, yeah. It, uh, you know, th- that bridge is, is if it's open, it, you can get some speed going. But and this uh, this is a very short bridge. I mean, literally, it might be two football fields. I mean, that's basically it. I mean, I walked yeah. across it with my son this summer and. Uh, so it's not like you can build up a big, big head of steam no. going across. No, but you know what? Interesting too that of all the border points in Canada and the U.S., this is the most porous one, uh, according to experts that I talked to, where they say that it doesn't have oh, some of the things that other borders have on both the Canadian and American side. There's a lot of tourism here. There's a lot of day-to-day tourism. This could change, you know, in light of all this, because every time this happens, they tighten up the borders. Yeah, but well, it, there's there's no nowhere else that I know of, anyway, in Ontario, where people walk across the bridge. Like you don't see people walking on the Peace Bridge. No, it's too long. Yeah, uh, but and this one, people do. Americans come over to, you know, and, and a lot of people work on both sides of the mm-hmm. border and the casinos and different things like that. So, you know, I think that. That we need to really, really investigate this thoroughly, and not just take it at face value. Um, we'll, we'll see in, in you know the matter of uh, in due course about what they're trying to say, and, and and we'll have a skeptical, not a cynical look, but a skeptical yeah. look. Now, here's the thing, Joe, and I think about this. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Every time I cross the Peace Bridge, if, unless you've crossed that border, no matter which bridge, but you know, any any of the bridges. Um, if you cross that border, here's how it works, okay? Um, if I'm coming from Canada, the Ontario side, across the Peace Bridge, and I want to go into, uh, I want to get into America and in Buffalo, I drive my truck, I can have my truck full of explosives coming from just about anywhere in Canada, 
drive up onto the bridge and I could be I could park my truck in the middle of the bridge. And, you know, I think of the Oklahoma City bombing and what they did with fertilizer. And any anybody who wanted to blow the bridge up or just blow a hole in it, you they don't check your truck to see if you have um, explosives until you're already across the bridge. I don't know. I don't know why well, that is, but that's the case, isn't it? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I hear you. Well, if you, if you I, I they don't check my car until I'm already there. I've already crossed the bridge. There, there, there. You know, it's a good point you're making, but there are uh, some extra security measures that that do take place, at least from the Canadian side. I don't know a lot about the American side. Yeah. Uh, you know, the original report was this car came from Canada mm-hmm. and got, went across the bridge, and then this happened in the U.S. In fact, many of the callers into the Buffalo radio station I was listening to said that. Now, it doesn't sound like this car was ever in Canada, but may have been heading in this direction. And so, you know, and you heard Ontario license plates. So there's a lot of mystery here still. Uh, I don't rule anything in or anything out. Don't blame Fox News or people trying to yeah. get a jump on it. I'm coming down here to find out what happened, and I'm still going to do that. Um, I'm almost there now, working the phones and working my law enforcement sources and things like that. And you know what's weird, John, is every story's different. Yeah, I, mean, I, I still am, I still am confused yeah. about where where the, yeah. the where the explosion actually took place. Every story from every person you talk to is not adding up to the same as the other person. I've never heard of that. Usually people get their story together and what, what, you know, what they're pushing kind of deal. But, but this one we've heard so, so, you know, obviously the New York governor is going to uh, pull together a news conference. I've got my passport ready. If they give us time, we'll, if they allow us to get across the bridge, I'll go over there and we'll listen to what the governor has to say because we need to find out what did happen here. Yeah. Well, if, if you're, if you are, Coming from uh, Niagara Falls, New York, and driving into uh, Niagara Falls, Ontario, across the bridge, you are not on the Canadians. If you have a, they say the explosion was on the American side. Well, the, first of all, the bridge, I, I'm pretty sure, is uh, the, the middle of the bridge is where you're either on the Canadian or the American side. But if, if you haven't gone through Canadian customs yet, you're technically still on the American side. You haven't crossed the border yet. So I still don't know where the well, I don't know if it, it took place. New York State, it's a New York State investigation from all accounts, and it's not a federal investigation at this stage. And so I don't know what they what they know or what they think happened here. We do know two people are dead. Mm-hmm. We do know there was an explosion. We know there was a fast car, and so you know there's a lot of things we don't know. But that's what we do know. It sure looks and smells like terrorism. Well, right? I've. T- I have about a minute left here, and I, I've I've spoken to you about this, uh, and we're talking to Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun. Uh, I've mentioned this to you before, just recently, um, with the, uh, I don't know if you'd call it confiscation of uh, Canadian guns, that Canada would seem to be ripe for an attack like we had uh, in Israel if somebody wanted to just have a few vans pull up with a bunch of guns. They can be, pr- can they be pretty... Um, Confident in believing that they're not going to get shot at by citizens? Well, first of all, uh, this, you know, this is always a concern. And, you know, we do have arrangements, obviously, that Five Eyes 
kind of set up and other things with the Americans that, that you know, they would be obviously lend assistance to Canada mm-hmm. under any attack on Canada. So, and NATO as well. But the Americans are, you know, our best friends. I mean, yes, sometimes politically there's, there's issues, but when it comes to security, law enforcement, and all of the above, so yeah, we would have the kind of protection that, that you would have as an American uh, with some help, but not initially. And so, yeah, I mean... Now, what I'm saying so about is private citizens yeah. being able to defend themselves against an attack like we had in yeah, Israel. Yeah, that's, that's an issue. That, I mean, that's not new. Uh, we'd have to hope the gangsters uh, would help because they're the only ones that are allowed to have guns here. Uh, the hunters and the farmers are not. So, yeah. It, uh, no, they, they, you know, they, they I mean, under Prime Minister Trudeau, he's basically taken and, you know, he's had a big gun problem here, guns going off, a gangster problem, really. Mm-hmm. But instead of dealing with that, he lets them all go and he goes after the, the farmers and the, Gun collectors and the, and the obviously the moose and duck yeah. hunters and, and deer hunters. So I, you know, I mean it's it's so ridiculous. Um, but anyway, let's. There's two people that are dead here, um, and you know that's that's tragic. Well, Joe, perhaps or uh, I'll, I'll let you. Know, it could be a murder suicide. I mean, we don't know what it is. Well, I'm out of time. I appreciate. I know you're busy and on your way to do some. Uh, probably going to be real busy here shortly. Um, I appreciate you calling in. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Okay, nice to talk to you again. Take care now. Okay, that's Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun. I'll be right back. Hey, it's uh, just about officially a holiday weekend, just a couple of minutes away. We've had a couple of tough stories here today, anniversary of JFK assassination, the explosion on the bridge in Canada, and uh, I wanted to end with something nice. How about celebrating this guy's birthday, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield. Now, I tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape, you know? <laughs> now, last week I told my wife, you need a home improvement loan. She gave me $1,000 to move out. <laughs> now, I tell you, my wife, there's always something, you know? Well, the other day I called her up. I said to her, honey, I've been thinking about the last time we had sex. I'm getting excited. She said, who is this? I tell you, my wife, she never went for me. Well, the first time I called her up, she told me, come on over, there's nobody home. I went over, there was nobody home. <laughs> my wife, she drives me nuts. She was afraid of the dark, she saw me naked, now she's afraid of the light. <laughs> I tell you, that's all right, that's okay. I'll tell you. I tell you, actually, I shouldn't tell jokes about my wife. I mean, she's attached to a machine that keeps her alive. The refrigerator. <laughs> I tell you, my wife, she can't cook either. My house, we pray after we eat. <laughs> I bought a pressure cooker. Now I eat off the ceiling. One of the all-time greats. Uh, he would have been 102 today if he had made it. Uh, thanks for listening all week. Thanks to Gary for helping out. And uh, thanks to Mike. And happy Thanksgiving. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.